right, so I love looking at America and the world as we enjoy it. As though, you know, when you're walking down the street, um, Wilshire Boulevard, whatever, you're going to a restaurant, and anything that you do, I, I see myself in the context of history. Meaning that I look at other people and I say, okay, well, uh, these people enjoy their freedoms, I'm enjoying my freedoms as a, pro as, as a result of many permutations of history that have led up to this great moment where I can uh, go see a friend, I can enjoy whatever restaurant I want, I can go in that car that was invented by somebody that in turn had a patent associated with it, I can go into this building which in turn had all sorts of um, contracts that were, were built into this, into this building. Um, I can create my book. I can do this podcast with you. I, I can express myself freely. There's many great things uh, that I enjoy dur during my walk down the block. I, I don't have to worry about uh, somebody attacking me, at least not very much, right? I, I know that that's illegal and that anybody who, who thinks that they can do it <clears throat> is probably wondering whether or not they, they might get caught if they beat me up, right? <clears throat> so the standard is, that they're not gonna do that, that I can live my life in an unmolested way and that I could try to self-actualize the best way I can. What a joy, isn't that great? And it doesn't matter whether I'm black or white or Hispanic, uh, while there is some uh, endemic, well, I don't wanna say endemic, because uh, that's, that's a buzzword that means nothing. While there's no doubt some racism in America, it's not part of our system, it's not we don't have Jim Crow laws that govern anything. We don't have actual laws on the books or informal laws on the books that say you cannot deal with this person. Got it? So what a great country, right? And very different than virtually every country, at least in history, and certainly different than every culture and every other country in the world today. And I enjoy that. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. You, you, you have uh, a gay friend, a lesbian friend, and you, you happen to know that about them, and you just, okay, it doesn't matter. She's still my real estate broker. Uh, he's still my associate or my secretary. Who cares, right? The, the, the emphasis is, does he or she get the job done? Are they nice people? And that's that. What do I care what they do behind closed doors? So that's a, it's a very American way of thinking, isn't it? But better yet, it's more of a very Judeo-Christian way of thinking. And that's our point today, that all the, all the benefits that we receive in America, and mostly in America, uh, but arguably the West, generally speaking, is the product of the Judeo-Christian mindset. All those benefits that you now expect of the world, the fact that a lesbian couple can get married, a gay couple can get married, uh, a black person can expect to be treated just the same as a white person, that there's nothing endemic about his skin that will require him to be paid less or to not get that promotion. All those things, everything, and including your right to, to freely express yourself, come from the Judeo-Christian mindset. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. And what's so intriguing, and, and Ari, you'll bring up this example of... Um, uh, this interview on the, on the sports program you're talking about, where uh, people are shocked, just positively shocked, when you express to them that you love the God of, of the Bible, that, that the God of the Bible informs your decision-making, your, your morality, the way you view the world. And they look at you as if you're, uh, you know, some sort of uh, Martian, some sort of bizarre, you know, two-headed uh, man. 
because, well, you believe in this fictional creature called God that's no different than the Roman gods or the Greek gods and so on. Um, and they, they think that, you know, we need to advance beyond that, not realizing that the very reason why they can think this way and why we have the freedoms that I just mentioned are all coming precisely because of this backward, primitive, <laughs> archaic God of which they complain. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I would, I would make the modification that they don't treat you like you're some sort of two-headed person. They treat you like you're an evil monster right. needing destruction. And do you want me to get right into the show that Yeah, because it was so interesting this? what you said. So yeah. uh, many of our listeners will know that there's a station out there called HBO, and there's a show on HBO called Real Sports with Brian Gumbel that is in generally a very entertaining quality show. And, of course, listeners and fans of the show will know that there's obviously a left-wing bias throughout most of it. But this is a show that has, among other contributors, Bernard Goldberg, who many of you know, who wrote the book Bias about media bias and yes. all sorts of other, uh, you know, kind of pro-conservative work. So it's not entirely a wasteland of leftism. And it's an interesting show. And for a show dominated by mainstream media luminaries, the, the politics is, well background radiation most of the time anyway. So yeah. I encourage people to watch it for the entertainment value. However, when they do fall left, or as I've come to say now, wrong, because leftism is wrongism, they go far wrong. Yeah. And they did an amazing segment, an amazingly telling segment that falls right into Barack's wheelhouse on this one, in which um, Mary Carrillo, who uh, is one of their correspondents and an ex-tennis player, pro-tennis player, did an, a, a segment on Margaret Court, who's a Hall of Fame tennis player from Australia, who has the main arena for the Australian Open named after her. And there's a controversy in Australia now, currently going on, in which people want Margaret Court's name removed from the main arena. And the reason is because Margaret Court, in her retirement, in older age, she's not you know, not old age, but old, she's getting up there, has become an evangelical Christian pastor and activist. And most of her activities, as one would expect, and the audience of this show, which is well-informed and knows these things, know that for an evangelical pastor, most of her activities involve healing people, helping people with drug problems and suicide issues, and uh, feeding the poor, and preaching the gospel, and all sorts of things. But Margaret Court did something very politically incorrect in Australia, which was when Australia, a few months or years ago, uh, put up for a voter referendum to legalize gay marriage, Margaret Court strongly opposed it. So. The leftists in charge of the culture of Australia who prevailed in passing this now want to seek their retribution against Margaret Court for having such a ghastly position in the modern age and want her name stripped off the arena and they want Margaret Court essentially banished from the public square. And Mary Carrillo of Real Sports went down to Australia to do a segment about her as most of you know the Australian Open was played in January, so you know since it wrapped up and is a timely issue, it sort of coincided with all that. The moment that I brought to Barack's attention, and I'll relate to you guys again, uh, or to Barack again, and to you guys, is this. During an interview with Margaret Court, um, where she was talking about Margaret Court's beliefs, 
Um, Mary Carrillo, who is a the correspondent and is a lesbian, along with uh, other lesbian tennis greats, Billie Jean King and Martina Navratilova, who were featured in this uh, segment, was asking Margaret Court why she believed in the Bible. Because Margaret Court was going on and on about how great the Bible is. <laughs> you know, little things like love your brother and uh, don't murder and don't steal, you know, are, right. were things that appealed to Margaret Court. And, and I guess uh, Mary Carrillo was uh, kind of baffled by this. But um, Margaret Court's reaction was so telling, and it was lined up right with the Atheism Kills subject matter we've been talking about, about Barack's book, because uh, Margaret Court said to Mary Carrillo, to her face, she said, God is as real to me right now as you are sitting in front of me. Right. And Mary Carrillo flinched, and she basically reacted in the same way as if the person sitting in front of her said, I'm a Nazi and we should exterminate the Jews. Or, you know, black people need lynching. Something so off-base, radical, weird, bizarre. Right. Ignoring the fact that all of the things in the Bible led up to the very moment that made their conversation possible, as Brock elucidated right. up to this. And um, it was just so telling about how the atheist has absolutely no tolerance for the believer. And we're still no curiosity to figure out why the believer might actually believe it. Right. Well, it's, it's interesting because they would never... The freedom of thought that God provides to all of us is the same freedom of thought that lets the atheist contemplate how there is no God. That we call that, you know, a paradox, right? Not irony, but a paradox, and and that's the way it is. That they now look, they'll they'll respond by saying, "Well, wait a minute, you you've decided a fortiori, you know, a priori, if you like, that there is a God," and then then say, "Isn't it ridiculous to not believe in a God because I've decided that there's a God?" I, I get that. That's the argument that they have. But better yet, so just take away God from the equation if that's what you want to do. To really understand this, to, to, that's how simple it is, right? It's a little bit like that movie, um, It's a Wonderful Life, right? What would George Bailey's world look like without George Bailey? And Clarence the Angel kind of takes him around and shows him this is what would have happened. So if you do that, and this is actually the end of my book, if you were to take away the Judeo-Christian mindset and, and everything else, and then, and then ask, what would happen without this Judeo-Christian mindset? Well, it would be a pretty sorry state of affairs. You wouldn't have democracy or freedom, which, which I think in and of itself is, is enough. But you wouldn't have innovation. You wouldn't have America as we think of America today, and therefore all the things that flow from America. Remember, America was founded by Christians seeking to uh, amplify their Christian faith, right? Everything about America from the beginning to end uh, was was an amplification of God one way or the other. So if you took it away and you say, wouldn't the world be better off without God? Okay, well, that means there would be no America. There would be no West as we think of it, right? There would be just, there would be a lot of communist-type nations or dictatorship nations, and that would be that. Okay, we, and ultimately, we'd be Sodom and Gomorrah. So they just, they just don't appreciate it, uh, how uh, a world without God would look like. Uh, we wouldn't have the universities. We wouldn't have the hospital system. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have the, the school system. Uh, we wouldn't have uh, the, the scientific method. We wouldn't have the civil society. We wouldn't have people thinking of others before themselves. Right. We wouldn't have justice. We wouldn't have justice, yeah, right. A law and order, have, all those things. We wouldn't have as much peace as we do, right. relatively speaking. Right. And the best irony of all, 
Well, Mary, you wouldn't have this TV show. Right, exactly right. Because it's, it's none so of these inventions, nor that audience, would be allowed to watch this. Right. It, and it also ignores how many tyrants throughout that 2,000-year history have been defeated on the path to getting to where we are now, which is sort of what you've talked about yeah. by mentioning we have either communist dictatorships or tyrannies. You know, one of the things Mary said in as a response to Margaret Court saying, you know, God is real to me and the Bible is real to me is, but that book is 2,000 years old. <laughs> well, the response is, so just because knowledge is an antique, it's right. not got something worthwhile learning from? Well, I mean, it's the easy answer there is to say, well, uh, it, the Bible says that should not murder, right? Is, does that mean that it's not valid anymore because it's 2,000 years old? That's right. Right. Uh, well, that, of course, that's it. Well, okay, but wait a minute. So the, the, then the, the battleground, uh, according to uh, Mary versus the interviewer, is that... You mean Margaret versus Margaret, I'm sorry, Mary. yeah, Margaret. Yeah. yeah, Margaret versus Mary, is that Margaret believes that some degree of it... Is, sorry, that the, the interviewer believes that some degree of it is, of course, you know, timeless, but not all of it. Right, it's a buffet. You just so, pick and choose what right. you like. So, you so, want asparagus, take it. Yeah. You want broccoli, you take right. it. If you want but, lemons, don't. But Margaret, Margaret believes, and I think reasonably so, that, that all of the Bible makes sense and is timeless in its own way. So and there's, there's nothing in the Bible that you could say is, uh, well, that's just antiquated. Now, now quickly, an atheist will say, Wait a minute, Barack. What about the stoning business? Right? That that ain't that wrong. Uh, well, first of all, uh, at least in the Old Testament, they're not saying if you do this, you shall be stoned. Right? They describe the stonings, but they do not say you shall be stoned. Oh, wait a minute, Mr. Lurie. What about the thing in Levit Leviticus where they say that gay people should be stoned? You know, if you sleep with another uh, uh, another man. Um, okay, not quite. It's not like that at all. There's so much interpretation of that that is categorically says that that is not the case. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know. And then, um, you know, the, the, the sense of the Bible itself and how it seeks freedom, for example, for everyone, that it wants you to be free. Is that antiquated as well? Right? Is the notion that we shouldn't have incest, that we shouldn't have polygamy, that we shouldn't have slavery, that we shouldn't have murder or theft? Is that antiquated because it's 2,000 years old? What, what is acceptable? Should we constantly change the rules all the time that sometimes murder is okay, sometimes theft is okay? I, I, I find that fascinating when people say that to me because I've, I've heard that argument before. It's an old book. It's time to bring in the new. Well, guess what? We've tried to bring in the new many, many times and it's always failed, always. Among those new ideas was communism. Among those new ideas was eugenics. Among those new ideas was fascism, the one-child policy, overpopulation control, um, global warming. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, the notion uh, that we don't need to clean ourselves. These are all new ideas that came and went only and, to and the destruction of us all. new ideas in quotes, of course. Yes, of course. As we've discussed, these are old ideas. Yes. The new idea is the Bible. And you know what I love most about the attitude of Mary and those you've written about in your book is how you don't give any credit. So for instance, um, we are um, at a uh, place where um, some people we know are doing some swimming competition today. Right. And if you see a swimmer have a better time than they did last time, you give them credit for doing the work to get a better time than they did before, right? Right. right. 
the atheist never gives the Bible any credit for what it does right. Yeah. And give it then the benefit of the doubt for further introspection for the things they don't understand or agree with based on the thing it did right. So example, if you're dealing with a book that's several thousand years old, let's take Old Testament. How old is that? 3,200, 5,000 right. years old? Something yep. like that. Let's not take New Testament, you know, the Gospels of Christ 2,000. Let's, let's go way back to when mankind was vastly different. Okay? Where shows like Real Sports did not exist <laughs> with their highly diverse cast, right. right? How incredible, how miraculous is it that 5,000 years ago, some dudes wrote down and codified the idea that murder was wrong and had the guts to put that forth and were successful enough defeating all the intervening challenges to that 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 survived. Right. And that if a book had that in it, thou shalt not murder from 5,000 years ago when life was far different and you could get away with such things without cameras on every street and the NSA grabbing your email, perhaps we should look closer at the things that in it that are not right, right. thou shalt not murder with a little bit of a give it credit. There might be something else there. One of the, my favorite uh, chapters in my own book, and, and, and really I just loved it so much because it was fun to write, was what would a book look like, a Bible look like, if you were faking it? Right, if it was just a bunch of guys having some fun on a lark, or either for or, or for power purposes, what would it look like? Because it wouldn't look like the Bible that we have today. No, it would be you deserve a slavery. Good. Right. Slavery is good. Murder, great. Right. Murder, murder right. as long as we commit it, great. You can't do it, but we can do it. Right. And if and if it is the Bible, it's written by men, no doubt. Right. So therefore, you would think that they would say that all women should subjugate themselves to uh, uh, willing sex uh, all the time, and polygamy is the order of the day. Right? And, That's and, it. and bring a friend. <laughs> That's right. So, so that, that part's a lot of fun as well. Uh, people, people just don't realize the, the advantage they have uh, of all the history before them. And, and it's really worth asking the atheist or anybody who confronts you on that situation when they, they try to mock the Bible or religion, the Judeo-Christian religion, and generally speaking. And you say, listen, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I agree with you. I totally, You know, but do you think there's anything of value that came out of the Judeo-Christian mindset? Just, is there anything positive like that, right? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> right? And so they'll say, because they've never thought about that before, right. they'll say, uh, well, I, you know, they'll be a little cynical. They'll say, well, it gives peace and comfort to people and, you know, a sense of security. I suppose that's good. And then you say to them, and? Right? And they'll say, well, I can't think of anything else. I said, there, I think there's more. And then they'll say, well, what do you mean? And I say, okay, you said peace and security, just kind of an internal sense of comfort because of the big bad world and universe out there. And, they, you know, this, this, this sky god, as they like to mock him, uh, you know, gives them a the sense that there's some sort of structure here. So, but I'm talking about the Bible and the Judeo-Christian mindset, the whole value structure. What else has been good out of that? And then they, they have to come into the next argument, which is to say, well, I suppose... Uh, you know, those Ten Commandments are pretty good. And I said, yeah, I think that's pretty good, right? I mean, is there any of the Ten Commandments, that, you know, other than the, I'm, I'm your God and there are no other gods before me, but other than that, in terms of the actual commands, commandments of how to lead your life, do you, do you find any of it offensive or wrong? And then, they, of course, they don't know them all, but I, I list them, and, and then they say, you know, I said, do you think there's, there's, it's bad 
as an idea to say that there's, you shall not murder? No, that makes sense, of course. You think it's bad that you should not steal? No, of course, that makes sense. How about adultery? You know, as much as I'd like to have as many women as possible, I, I think it's good for society to have, uh, you know, basically a commandment against adultery. This, it's a value that we don't want to pursue adultery. Right, right, right. Uh, how about this, uh, this idea of not using authority in, in vain? You know, like whether you, whether you use God's name in vain or a police officer's name in vain. Like you, you pretend to be a cop, for example. Yeah, color and you, and of authority. Color, color of authority. You know, surely you agree with that. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty good, too. And you go on and on, even with the coveting stuff and even respecting your mother and father, right? Okay, so we, we acknowledge that the Ten Commandments are pretty good, right? Anything else you can think of? And then, and then they, they don't have anything more. Generally speaking, they kind of stop at that point. And I say, can I help you with that? I can, I can tell you some things that would not exist today uh, without the Judeo-Christian mindset. What do you mean? I said, well, the family. When you think of the family, uh, you know, do you think that the family is an important, important unit of society? Well, yeah. Do you think it's, um, it's good that there's no sex within the family other than the mother and father, of course? Well, yeah, I think that's, that's really bad if you would have incest within the family. Oh, well, but why? Why is that wrong? I mean, assuming that it's voluntary. You know, it, and if, by the way, incest is not... You know, and not just taboo if you're under 18, and uh, it's also taboo even if it's two consenting adults. Even if um, the brother and sister, when the brother, let's say, is 45 years old and then the sister is 40 years old, they discover they got the hots for each other. Um, they ain't going to have any kids with each other. They just like hanging out. What's wrong? Right? And they say, because that's disgusting. And then I say, why? but why is that disgusting? Why? why do you care whether those two people are, are yeah. you know, what, what happens behind closed doors, as it were? Well, it's just, it's, I don't know, it just feels wrong. Why are you invading their bedroom? Right. <laughs> why does it feel wrong to you? Yeah. Because they have no idea. And, and then it, they just don't have that sense. And I say, uh, by the way, polygamy was, was very much in fashion for most of our history. And yet now it's so not in fashion that to... To look at a, a polygamous relationship, uh, like you know the old, uh, the ancient Mormons, for that matter, and a couple of crazy cults out there that believe in polygamy, we consider them crazy and and sad and, and despicable people. But <laughs> that's fairly new, that polygamy was so, and so you you kind of put a mirror to them and say, you don't realize what the world would look like and did look like before the world of the Judeo-Christian faith. And they, they, they say, well, we would have come to it by logic anyway, right, or from the heart. Really? How so? Explain, as the uh, Samuel Jackson character asked the... Uh, the Pulp Fiction. The yeah, Pulp yeah. Fiction, you know, for uh, what's his name, yeah. the en other actor. Enlighten us. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Explain. <laughs> and, and you just said something that was so important, because they didn't in that situation, think of it on their own. But when you say it, well, what's wrong with a, a uh, incestuous relationship between two consenting adults? Yeah. Mother and son, father and daughter, brother and sister. Yeah. They have no... And, uh, what, what, is, what is wrong with it? I can feel something beyond my emotions that twinges me that says this is wrong. And that's the human living connection to God. Right. Okay, that I know is there. That's right. And what you've stimulated in that person is that because they're alive and they ignore 
you know, what so bothered me about Mary Carilla's reaction is when she said it, it was as she was dead and just an animated corpse playing reporter. Yeah. And she had lost connection with the living being that animates the flesh. Right. Which is the connection we all have to God that connects with us on that uh, super yeah. empathetic level when you feel that twinge of, oh, that's not right. Right. Oh, I just saw a murder. Oh, I just saw a child or a dog run over. You know, there's right. something wrong. Right. And they ignore them, have, have, uh, you know, um, uh, truncated that part of themselves, uh, you know, yeah. and segmented themselves away from it. Yeah, they, they do that. And, uh, you know, look, I always, I mean, one of the great gifts of animals is that we can, I mean, it's a circle of life. I understand that. We can that. eat them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not that? <laughs> no, not that. Uh, no, but look, I, I, I'm... But the beauty of animals is, look, there is a circle of life, and they eat each other, and, and, and some are herbivores, and some are carnivores. Uh, I think that we're herbivores, but that's You're another an story. Yes, I'm, I'm the predator. That's we, right. we know that's where right. we, we're going to wind up. Yeah, you, you chased me here, my friend. And I, <laughs> I'm buying a brand new you, grill. You pounced on me, and you, and you put a microphone in front of my mouth. Anyway, so, so we have... Um, I mean, the fact is that there's a circle of life, but also there's another kind of side benefit. I almost think that God gave us the animals as a mirror to ourselves of what we are not, right? The giraffe seeing a horrific situation, let's say the giraffe sees, um, you know, one gorilla raping another gorilla, okay? The gorilla, the, the giraffe is going to just keep on chewing its, you know, grass. It's not going to jump in there and say, hey, that crap ain't right. Right. The, <laughs> you know, the giraffe will not either do that nor grab a camera and say, this is, is the awesome. video I want to upload. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but more, I mean, obviously, the technology doesn't have anything. And I, I know you're being funny. But, but more importantly, it will not interfere. And even more importantly than that, it will not value it as a bad thing. It will not decide this crap ain't right, right? It's just something that happens. As I say in my book, it's, it's like, you know, something of that ilk is no different to the giraffe than the falling of a leaf or, I don't know, the falling of a tree. Yeah, you know, yeah it doesn't involve the giraffe's well-being, mating habits, sleep habits, or dietary functions. Yeah. It doesn't register. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't affect him. Right. And it's not evil. There's no such thing as evil in the, in the jungle. There's, there's just stuff that happens in the jungle. Yeah. And either you're overpowered or you're the one powering over somebody else. And that's it. Thank you very much. Have a nice day. So that's another beauty of having animals to compare ourselves with. It, it helps us appreciate the unique qualities that we as humans have. Now, um, what you're talking about, about the way that the interviewer, Mary, dealt with this issue is like she was just unable to, to fathom this. But that twinge that you're talking about, that visceral impulse that says, well, that, that just doesn't sound right. And they never ask, why is that so? Because the giraffe, in my example, doesn't have that twinge, doesn't say, hell, aren't those two gorillas brother and sister, <laughs> right? <laughs> or brother and brother, for that matter. I mean, they, they, don't, they don't think like that. Like, well, it'd be cool if they was, you know, they, they don't know each other. I should tell their mother. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. So I, I find it fascinating. The twinge is a fascinating way to put it, Ari, because that twinge, that sense of right and wrong, uh, 
it's not a logical thing. It never is logical. They think it's logical. They want it to be logical, but it ain't so. No, it's like fifth dimensional. Yes, yeah, it really is. Irrational. It's a morality thing that world. comes from the Judeo-Christian mindset, and they just don't know it. It's 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 gotten into the mother's milk. Thank God. Right, this notion of incest against incest, this notion against polygamy, this notion now against slavery, for that matter, which was alive and well, uh, as it were, in you know only what 140 years ago. I mean, it was there are people debating about whether or not, uh, and and 50 years before that, it it's, was it was standard operating procedure. It's still, slavery is still around now on a I, huge swath of the earth. Meaning, you know, when we're we're talking about the Western world governed by that book. Right, you know, based on that book right. that Mary is scoffing at. Yeah, but, but and, and it was that's pretty... a, the great example. Places that aren't governed by that book, look at the atrocities that happen, Mary. Right, it's they have no ability to sense that. You know what's interesting about um, it's what I call the new atheism, and I, I've heard people refer to the new atheism, but their idea of new atheism is very different than my uh, new atheism. When I was an atheist back, uh, I guess, 30 years ago, 40 years ago now, I never thought for a moment that not believing in God was a good thing. How about that? I, I felt that I, I knew the answers. I knew the truth. I felt like, like the guys in The Matrix, right, where I... I I swallowed the blue pill, I guess, the well, one the that, red pill. The red pill that yeah. tells you the truth of everything, and everyone else has swallowed the other pill, the blue pill, and that they're, they're beguiling themselves into thinking that there is this world with, with trees and air and sunsets. In fact, you're just in a big machine, right? And I knew better, but by golly, no, not all of us should be able to see the matrix, right? right Only, only the select few. Yes, yeah. they can handle it. And I felt like, as an atheist, that's, that's what I could do. I could handle the, the, the reality out there. Right. You and, went to Stanford, so you don't have to go to church on Sundays. You can go out and right. watch TV. Uh, fair and enough. Yeah. Or, Those people who can't handle it, if they didn't go to church, all hell would break loose. So that, thank God they do. Exactly. And, yeah. and as I said in, my, in my, my famous expression, it's in the book, uh, I'm an atheist, but thank God nobody else is, right? Yeah. That's what I used to say. And I love the thank God. Yeah, right. like the I, irony of that. The eternal irony. What is a great, great line. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. It was fun. I, and I, I never realized that internal irony when I was saying it. It's so fun. It's so brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, you know, it's, it's cute. I mean, it, and even Voltaire, who was probably an atheist, but they didn't describe himself as such. But he said, if there were no God, if God did not exist, it would be necessary to invent him. Okay, which is very similar to what I just said. And I, I think he, you know, he's right in many ways, and that's the emphasis of my book, is that there are consequences to atheism, whether you believe in God or not. You should, you should be so thankful that there is such a thing as the Bible. As crazy as it may seem, as bizarrely fictitious as it may seem, it works. For some reason, that crazy system, that crazy belief system that those Jews and those Christians developed, somehow it got us the notion of democracy and freedom, the notion of the scientific method, the notion of the university, the, the hospital system, the charity system, the public school system, uh, and all the inventions and discoveries that were uh, discovered and made in the name of God. That, somehow it worked. Okay, you should be grateful for that. As crazy as it is, right? So... Um, but the new atheism is different. 
the, the old atheism, which I have subscribed to, is to say, look, a world without God would be a dangerous one indeed. The new atheism somehow changes all that and says that the world would be better without God. The world with God is dangerous indeed. Right, exactly. Uh, total totally reversed it all. Yeah. And, you know, it's the, the imagine no religion uh, notion, right? The John Lennon interpretation of atheism. And he, I, I mean, it, it's really amazing to, to, to hear these people speak on Facebook and otherwise. And I realized about, I don't know, a week ago that there's been this, this radical shift in the way people express their atheism, the way they embrace their atheism. And, and like I said, I, in the old days, I was an atheist, but because I felt I saw what was what, but we need this God business because, by golly, it's good. We wouldn't have morality without it. Do you think it's related to the general stupidity that's sweeping society? Because there's always been those who are dumber than others right. in society, to put it in sort of a Bill Maher sarcastic term, right. right? But it used to be, let's just say the 1980s, the dumb guy would, uh, if you remember the movie The Sure Thing, John Cusack, right. shucking beer, that was an idiot back in those days. Right. Today, the idiot rides his bike on the freeway. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, Today, no. The, these idiots in Los Angeles are now riding scooters in bike lanes in the wrong direction. The level of idiocy in day-to-day -day life has reached a mentally retarded level of right. stupidity. Not just, hey, he's dumb, he lacks uh, you know, knowledge of, of algebra. It's, he's stupid, he lacks common sense entirely. Well, so but, but I think it's related to that. It is, it is related to that. And, level it's, of it, ignorance. and it's also related to the self-esteem movement, which is very interesting. Because in the self-esteem movement, no one is telling them that their lack of knowledge means that they, they need to work harder to, to actually know what, to have the yeah, knowledge. You can feel just as good about yourself being an idiot as that guy who did right. his homework. Exactly right. And the fact, okay, Johnny, uh, this, you know, Johnny knows that Thomas Jefferson was the third president of the United States, and uh, David, well, he doesn't know. So, you know, but that's no big whoop. That's just the way things work sometimes. Oh, yeah, let so. me correct you a little. Johnny knows he was the third president of the United States. David knows he owned slaves. Oh, right, and yeah, that's it. That's, right. that's all he knows. <laughs> that's all he knows. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I did my, my Sunday show based on uh, the theme of this, the Sunday show is how dangerous limited information is, right? I mean, you, you've heard the expression, a little knowledge is a dangerous thing, and it's so true. Or low information voter. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, exactly right. When, when, they, when they believe, for example, that, uh, that, that the history of America is one solely of slavery, and they identify America as the one thing that it, it fought against, right? Uh, that's limited information thinking. Likewise with the treatment of the Native Americans. You ask most uh, students now studying history, what are they studying when it comes to American history? And those are the two things that I just mentioned that they, that they focus on. And I say, did you ever talk about America's role in World War II? How about World War I? How we saved the butts of the Europeans, the allies? Or how we uh, freed uh, the, the, the Vietnamese, or tried to at least free the Vietnamese before the Democrats screwed it up, right? Did you ever talk about how uh, the revolution amplified and brought democracy to the world? They, they just don't think about it. They, they, they don't even know that 1776 was the year of our Declaration of Independence. Yeah, and you're making a very powerful point because what you're saying is to the person who doesn't have any education and you say, have you heard, what's July 4th, 1776? They just go, I don't know. Uh, maybe I should look it up. You're saying these people have limited information that they're hell-bent on believing in. Right. So they, they know for sure. Right. 
America is a genocidal, racist, slave-owning place. They are convinced. Right. Do they know anything else? Not really. But they're convinced of what they do know. Right. And that's where it gets so dangerous. It gets scary, and it's, it's limited information thinking. And we can, we can extend it to so many other things, global warming, the overpopulation issues, whatever it is, it's all traceable back to uh, limited information. And they will look at you like you're a moron. How many times have you talked to people where you tell them that, you know, well, I don't subscribe to the global warming nonsense. I, I don't think uh, man-made global warming is, uh, is, a, is a real issue. And then they look at you, oh, you seem like such a smart person, right? They, they actually say that to you. I'm, I'm so surprised. You seem like such an educated, smart man. And, and it, to which you, you should reply, like, what an insult to say it like that, right? Like, if, you don't, if I don't subscribe to your belief, then I'm not a smart person. So if that's the case, let me ask you three questions. Tell me, how, how deeply are we going to be underwater uh, and, and, uh, if we do not do something? They have no idea. When is this crisis going to happen? Yeah, they have exactly. no idea. Exactly. Exactly, please. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, okay. So you don't know, but you, you do know that I'm somehow a moron for questioning this issue, right? And can we do anything about it, right? Um, and could it be that it's wrong? And, and how do you reconcile the inconsistent, blah, blah, blah. But they are limited information voters, as it were. Not low information, but limited information. And they make great big judgments on you. Likewise with uh, Judaism and Christianity's history. Right? They, the only information they have about Christianity is the Crusades, the Inquisition, and the church pedophilia scandals. And banning porn. And yes. some ignoramus stumbling out of church, going to a bar, getting drunk, and using the F word to refer to some homosexuals right. 20 years ago. And they, they feel they yeah, because there's billions of people on the planet, and lo and behold, they're able to find some schmuck who says something stupid, and then, then it's a... It's a, um, a broad uh, paintbrush stroke on all of Christianity, all at once, boom, just like that. But of course, when you, when you try to say that communism and fascism, which had atheism at its core, <laughs> they'll say, oh, no, you can't make that association. That's, yeah. that's just wrong. And, and no one mentions that, uh, you know, in communist Soviet Union, homosexuality was illegal, death penalty for it. Right, of course. So, how is the country, the society, based on the Ten Commandments in the Bible that tolerates your alternative lifestyle, doesn't want you redefine marriage for other reasons, but tolerates your lifestyle as long as you don't show our kids it when they're too young, right. is worse than the society that would have shot you or hung you in the case of Iran's right, right. You know, the theocratic Islamic regime. How is that better? You it, know, in, in the recent book... Um, Michael Medved's recent book, The American Miracle, which I, I like. It's a little dense, but it's a pretty good book. Uh, he talks about the, uh, the clear divine providence that occurred in American, America's history. It's really quite astounding. And he talks about the, the incredible series of coincidences that really makes you think. And yeah, like I, I, meeting Squanto. Yeah, Squanto is one of the, and he, he talks about that. Yeah, who, by the way, they didn't kill. Right, exactly okay. right. Yeah, amazingly, um, and, and so many other things. Lincoln is the last chapter, and it's fantastic. But anyway, the, the, the point is, he talks about these coincidences, and then he also talks about how America has moved from a country of gratitude to guilt. And I, I love that, because it starts with both with the letter G, of course, but we are not, no longer a country that's focusing on the gratitude of what America has done for us and for the world, for that matter. But now we're instead focusing on the guilt of America. And, and once you do that, once you switch you know, from one G to the other, as it were. Yeah, from one paradigm to the next. Then, yes. you, then, you, then it all falls apart. 
if you begin to look at yourself as evil constantly, what a shame, how it all falls apart. There was, I think it was Nancy Pelosi or some, some uh, congressional leader who, who said uh, that she was so proud of her child or grandchild who, who's white, uh, white male, and he said how ashamed and embarrassed he was that he was a white male. And this is a kid who's thir 13 or so years old. Putting aside the fact that, that that's child abuse, but that's another story. Well, wait, 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 I feel on. sorry that she sent him to private school because he could have learned that in public school. Right, exactly right. The same for a lot yeah, less money. <laughs> that's a good point. But isn't it interesting, Ari, that this is a time where we teach kids to enjoy self-esteem and there's nothing wrong with them whatsoever, except if they're white. White, heterosexual males. Right. Then, then you should feel guilty and you are less worthy than anyone else. You're a bad person. Yeah. I mean, how do you reconcile those two things? The self-esteem movement on the one hand and this uh, guilt for your skin color. Well, it, the answer is so simple. And listeners to this podcast and your show know the self-esteem movement wasn't about self-esteem. It was about destroying America. Yeah. Like every one of these other bowel movements, as I call it. Because I, I was driving around L.A. today and it's funny you mentioned the global warming thing because I happened to get into a conversation, and then I'll get to what happened while I was driving around L.A. Um, I happened to get into a conversation with a global warming advocate the other day, and the conversation started where I innocently said to them, you know, I cannot stand these piles of garbage the homeless are leaving everywhere. I'm an environmentalist. I mean, we're talking about banning plastic bags, banning straws, and what happens, I live in the Venice area, and some homeless vagrant bum decided to set up his little shanty village right in, in the uh, uh, shore of one of the Venice canals, and a big gust of wind came up and blew all of his garbage right into the water, which is going right out into the ocean. Yeah. Okay, more plastic bags, more straws, more cans, more garbage going out in that bum than any of the, uh, my neighbors, in all their tons of garbage, right? For sure. And I say this to this person, and... They sort of nod in agreement, but then they said, yeah, and it contributes to global warming. And I said, what, what the hell are you talking about, <laughs> all that plastic? No, 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 that doesn't contribute to global warming. That contributes to the garbage passions of plastic in the oceans. Yeah, Right. simple. So again, not getting it. Then I'm driving around L.A. today, and of course I see so many more of these, these what I call these Democrat-villes, these Obama-villes of bums everywhere, and they're garbage piles. And the, the thought crossed my head. I was going to mention it to you. I think it's worthy of a podcast episode itself or even one of your show, you know, Sunday shows. Uh, I was going to sort of feed you the subject. But the idea of what would our society look like if it was conquered by a dictator? And it would look like exactly the same as a whole bunch of thousand-yard stared homeless people staggering around piles of garbage with nothing but waste and ruin around them. Except instead of being heroin addicts and meth freaks, it would be us. Right. And, we, and so my point is... We would is, be the have-nots. Right. The point is, it would look like that's what a society conquered by the enemy would look like. Right. And then I thought, and this is where it bridges to what you said about Pelosi's relative, what would a society look like if people stopped caring about preventing its conquest? Because from my... in the. In, in, from my very essence, my very being, once I learned that I was a Jew and Jews have to survive, and once I learned that I was an American and evil wanted to defeat America, I was obsessed with two things, the survival of the Jewish people and the survival and defense of America. Right. And all that 
makes me male and, and masculine and, and white and entitled and privileged is all about the defense of these values and these things. Right. And this, and this society that gives us all the things that Mary Carrillo uh, benefits from but doesn't appreciate, right? right? And isn't it telling that Nancy Pelosi's relative, white male, 13-year-old, will never grow up with any desire to defend these things from conquest? Right. And how many right. of these idiot millennials, do let me finish real fast, right. do you see staggering around there with their skinny jeans and their multicolored shoes and their overly tight, horizontally striped shirts and their homosexual uh, fashion choices, even if they're not gay, and they it would never occur to them to defend their society, and then, of course, what do we have? We have what looks like a conquered society all around us because those who defend the society have been defeated. Right. So you ask the question, what, what does it look like if, if America were to bow down and just say, we don't care to defend ourselves? I've got two answers for you. One is Europe, okay? Uh, because that's the way Europe looks now, uh, right now. Uh, it is just bowing down. It has no idea what it's, what it's defending. It, it, and and to, to argue that we have a culture that is worth defending is itself racist, according to the, to the Europeans, of course. They, they don't even, but, but it's worse than that, Ari. They don't, they don't even know that there is a culture. They don't know, they've already poo-pooed the idea of Swedish culture or French culture or German culture or Czechoslovakian culture for that matter. Yeah, or even they, Euro culture. Right, because they, they don't believe that there is such a thing. Yes. So, and it's just gosh darn racist, isn't it? Not realizing that they're just leaving a huge vacuum. So that's, that's answer number one. Answer number two is a, 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 an empire. It was a, an empire from a while ago. People may have heard of it, it's called Rome. Okay, Rome, and there's a big chapter in my book about this. Rome didn't, you know, go in the night, in one night, right? It, it, was, it was a slow decay. And the decay occurred because Rome just didn't care to defend herself anymore. She People went about- People felt guilt rather than gratitude. Well, that's it. what it was. Um, and well, more importantly, they decayed their whole moral values. They, they gave their army to mercenaries, to the, the, the vandals, the barbarians, whom they were trying to keep out. You know, it's like, it, it would like be like- transgenders? <laughs> right. Well, that's a good, good, good example. But it would be, in today's uh, thing, it would be like asking a lot of uh, radical, uh, radical Muslims to defend America's borders. Yeah, and gang members, right? And gang members, yeah. yeah. Oh, they and have just, guns, don't yeah, do it. That's right. <laughs> right. And, and uh, that's, that was what it was like in Rome. So. If you want to follow Rome's model, that's by all means, that's what you do. But here's the problem. Nobody even knows about Rome anymore. Nobody knows about how empires come and go. And America's unique quality of being the first experiment where people govern themselves, the first time that the notion of freedom coupled with capitalism, free market capitalism, and the notion that God should be front and center in our lives, that was so unique, and that's what allowed us to, to be the, the great country, and for that matter, the great empire that we've become. Yeah, and real fast, and that laws apply to everyone, except if your name is Clinton, right? <laughs> right, exactly right. So Mary did not appreciate this, right? This is, so we're going all the way back to her now, and she just failed to get it. You know, she, she's like the people in the airplane, you know, they, they find themselves you know, in the middle of the uh, 10,000 above, above ground, and then they say to themselves, hey, we don't need a pilot. Hey, we don't need an engine. In fact, we don't need wings. I can fly myself. <laughs> I'll just flap these arms and it won't be a big problem. Only to discover you take away the plane, bad things happen. 
That's the way it is with so many of our people on, uh, on the, the godless side of the equation. How sorry I am for them. I, uh, I wrote an article and recently about exactly this situation. You know, when you wake up in the morning, <laughs> you don't think to yourself, I wonder where I'm going to get my oxygen today, right? You know, did you think that today? No, right? So, and, but I'll tell you something. You take away oxygen from this room that we're in right now, and pretty damn soon, that's all you'll be thinking about. I'm Barack Lurie. Thanks for listening. We'll talk with you next week.